Good morning, transit family. How's everyone doing today? I see a thumbs up from someone in the back. Feel free to grab your seat, grab your seat. Uh, welcome to uh, the transit. If you're new here, my name is Nick. I'm one of the, the pastors, and today we're continuing a sermon series that we've been in all year in, uh, in, F- in Ephesians. Uh, who here has enjoyed uh, this sermon series? I know I have. It's been, it's been great. You're about to uh, let me know after this, after this sermon if you enjoy. So anyways, uh, we're in Ephesians, um, and uh, we are in Ephesians 6 today. So turn to Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12 will be our text. As you're turning there, a quick announcement is we have, if you can show the slide, a parenting seminar this Saturday, September 16th, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's going to be amazing. Um, if you are a parent, it's just, it's, we're flying people in from the West Coast. That's how big of a deal this is, okay? Flying people in who are going to come give us a seminar and give us, give us great tools of how to shepherd and disciple our kids to be uh, lovers of Jesus. And so it's going to be well worth your time. Please um, do Michelle Shook and Seth Shook, who are organizing this, a favor. If you are planning on coming, don't RSVP Friday night at midnight. Uh, please RSVP soon, uh, earlier this week, okay? So mark your calendars, be there, it'll be worth your time, and we hope to see you there. Just wanted to do a plug for that before we uh, dive in. So now back to our text. We're going to be in Ephesians 6 before, and if you know Ephesians 6, it's the famous passage, if you've been a Christian for a while, where uh, Paul is writing to the believers at Ephesus, and he's, he's saying, your battle isn't against flesh and blood. If you're facing persecution or hardship from those around you, there's actually our real enemy isn't physical. Our real enemy is spiritual. And then he identifies who that enemy is. It's the devil in the kingdom of darkness. And so therefore we need to be strong in God's power and we need to be armored up. And so for the next three to four weeks, we're going to be in a kind of a, a pseudo sermon series on spiritual warfare um, from Ephesians Six and, and the outline is three to four weeks because I don't know how much the Lord wants us uh, to cover through this. But today uh, we're just going to be talking about um, waking up to this reality that I need this reminder, we need this reminder uh, that we're in the middle of a, of a cosmic war, a cosmic battle, and often we don't live our lives like that. And then next week we're going to be talking about uh, Jesus's deliverance ministry. You've probably never been at church before where they've looked at uh, why did Jesus cast demons out of people? What, like, is that just a weird thing that happened that isn't for today? What, what about that? Can Christians be demonized? How do we have open doors to the, all that stuff? We're going to talk about that and share some testimonies of what we're seeing God do in our church through our deliverance ministry. So quick disclaimer, if you have kids that are maybe uh, not, in the, not in the teenage years, it might be best to, if, if they sit in on the service to have them go uh, to kids' church next Sunday as we'll be talking about some sensitive uh, topics and sharing some testimonies that um, shouldn't induce fear in us but might induce fear in, in little kids because we're talking about demonization and, and all that stuff. We have a deliverance ministry here at the church. We, as of this afternoon, we have an appointment this afternoon. 80 people uh, have come for prayer. We've had 80 different appointments this year, and we're just seeing God do miraculous things, and we want to uh, invite the congregation to, to know what this is all about and see that is isn't something new that uh, charismaniacs came up with, but it's what Jesus came to do, is to destroy the works of uh, the devil. And then after that, we're going to be talking about armoring up. So today, let's wake up. Following weeks, let's armor up, and not just armor up to play defense, but let's advance. Let's armor up, and let's be a church that we advance against the gates of hell. So uh, I was driving this week, and I was thinking about my sermon as I do throughout the week, and just, you know, praying about it and whatever, and I had this 
thought come to mind as I wasn't wearing my seatbelt in my car. And you know this to be true. If you, I think maybe newer cars, they just won't even drive if you don't have your seatbelt on. But my car, it just makes a beeping sound, right? And it's like, it says almost like, amen, it's super annoying, right? You don't have your seatbelt on, and then it goes into like two times speed, and you're just like, ah! And what is that seatbelt alarm communicating to you as you're driving? Yo, you're about to get onto 495 without your seatbelt on. You are entering into the battle and you are assuming that you're, gonna, that you're gonna be all right. And often, I live my life this way, we live our life this way. Oh, I've never seen an accident before. I don't believe in car accidents. How about this one? Oh, I'm a Christian. I can't get in a car accident, right? I'd be like, what are, you, are you kidding me? Just because you got a Jesus fish on the back of your car doesn't mean you ain't getting an accident, right? And so we have this, this notion where the, the alarm, the annoying alarm is saying you are presuming that you are uh, 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 immune to threats. And, 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 and often we, we live our lives that way. And so for this first talk, it's going to be very foundational, but I will gladly be God's annoying alarm to me and to us today that there very well might be areas in some of our lives where we're unprotected. We're not armored up. When Jesus commands his church, be strong in my strength and put on my armor, it's the greatest thing he can say to those who are in the battle. He, isn't, he hasn't taken us out of the battle yet. We're in the battle, but we can be armored up in the battle. We can be powerful in the battle, or if we're not sober-minded, if we're not alert, if we're not um, actively seeking God, we, we can get taken out by the enemy. The, the enemy is real. The threat is real. And my hope with this series is that because of and what God wants to, to do through this here. Some of us would be awakened to the reality that, of the fact that we are in a battle and that we're not immune to the enemy's schemes and his tactics um, and that we'll get armored up. Some of us will get healed from maybe some, some strongholds in our life and hopefully, Lord willing, God will change all of our lives in, in big ways and in, in little ways through this sermon series. So let's pray and then we'll dive into Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Oh, man, I'm fired up, Lord. <laughs> oh, you have overcome our greatest foes, Jesus. It's all your work. Uh, it's all your work, Jesus. All praise, all attention, all affection, all adoration belongs to you, Jesus. This isn't theoretical. This is reality. You have overcome death. You have overcome uh, uh, the demonic, and you have overcome our sin. And so the people in you, in union with you today, we come and we fix our eyes on you and remind ourselves of the fact that in the heavenly places we are seated with our victorious king who's reigning over everything that's been trying to come against us in our lives. The collective suffering in this room, the collective sin, the collective harassment in this room. Jesus, you're reigning over it. You've already won the war, even though the battle still rages. And would you, through this series, uh, just etch in stone a hope and resiliency and endurance to your flock, Lord Jesus. Because it's not just saints in the room right now. It's soldiers in God's army that are in the room right now. And the gates of hell, Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against his spirit-filled church. Oh, Lord, I'm so excited to see what you're going to do. Let me not misspeak or put any unnecessary obstacles in the way of what you want to do through my zeal and my excitement, Lord Jesus. And although we're talking about the demonic today, Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we would not have fear, we would not have an over-obsession, but that we would have a confident 
trust in you, our victorious king, that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So have your way with your word. Have your way with our hearts, Lord Jesus. The threat is real, but so is your reign. So is your power. So is your armor. And so help us to be good soldiers in your army, Lord Jesus. Would you come, Holy Spirit, have your way with our hearts in your word. And all God's people said amen. All right, well, the first thing I want to hone in on um, to start is, you know, the Apostle Paul in 62 AD is writing to uh, real believers in a very pagan, spiritualistic city called Ephesus. Uh, he was there from about 53 to 55 AD for two to three years, and about six to seven years later, he's writing to the church there. And so um, it's real people talking about a real spiritual warfare that's going on. And um, if you look at Acts 19, open up your Bibles to Acts 19. I had so much that I had to take out of this sermon because I'd be preaching for five hours. Um, but Acts 19, I'm going to paraphrase some stuff. Acts 19 is the origin story of the church of Ephesus. If you were attending a membership class of, hey, you know, how did the church get found? Well, this guy Paul came, and then Acts 19, and then revival broke out, okay? So two things I want to highlight from Acts 19 that we see about how the church was founded in Ephesus was in verses 11 through 12 of Acts 19, we see that in Ephesus, Paul's handkerchiefs, this is crazy, like, like right here, like handkerchief, like he's, I guess he, I don't know what happened, but this would pass to somebody, this is in your Bibles, and not only were they physically healed, it says that unclean spirits were driven out of people, that people were, the demonized were set free, okay, so hold that in your thought. Verses 18 through 19, we see in Acts 19, verses 18 through 19, there were many Christians who came to faith out of divination, out of sorcery, out of spiritualism. And there's actually real demonic power behind that. And so they publicly burned uh, their, their magic arts and their magic books, and, and the modern-day value of that was $6 million. So there's this, this, this revival of sorcerers and witches and warlocks, essentially, who are repenting publicly of rolling with the demonic and giving their lives to Jesus. And that led to a riot breaking out, a type of persecution. So all that to say is this, is the, the audience that would hear this letter, the Christians that would hear this letter being read, were, were believers that once had, that were people that once had demons inside of them, and then Jesus set them free and cast those demons out. That's, those are people made up of the church of Ephesus. And then there are people there who used to be like, like, like practicing divination, like Hexes and curses on people and spells and all that weird stuff, okay? People who were rolling with the demonic were in the church. And if Paul needs to tell them in the first century, hey, heads up, reminder, your battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the demonic spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. If they needed that reminder, how much more do we in the 21st century? Okay, so we're going to slow down a little bit with the sermon series, but it's important for us to hone in on this. So we're going to go broad today. We're not going to go into specific application because I have to make sure all of us are on the same page. I have to make sure all of us have the same presuppositions and assumptions before I start talking about application. Okay, so I'm going to talk about five foundational truths about spiritual warfare. And I encourage you um, to not just listen to this sermon and not listen to the rest or not listen to, the, if you didn't attend, like anyways, take, listen to all the sermons. They're all going to build upon one another, okay? So five foundational truths of the Christian worldview about spiritual warfare. One, there is an unseen, spiritual, supernatural realm. There is an unseen, supernatural, spiritual realm. Look at verse 12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, uh, spiritual forces of evil, watch this, in the heavenly places. We already looked at this a little bit, but that term in the heavenly places, Paul's not talking about heaven because there's no spiritual forces of evil in heaven. That word that he uses in the heavenly places is saying there's a spiritual realm. There's, there's something beyond the veil that transcends the physical, natural world. And, and beyond that veil, we, we have an enemy named the devil. Why, why is this important? I mean, this is like basic. This is like, okay, Nick, like, duh. Like, we're Christians. Of course we believe in a spiritual worldview. Of course we believe that uh, the fundamental reality of how the world works is physical just as well as it's supernatural, that there's a scene in an Of course we believe that. And let me ask, do you? Do I? Do we actually live like that? That's, that's the kicker, is, we don't, is that we're functional atheists. Day to day, we live our lives that, 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 that God and, and the devil are just up in the clouds doing their thing, and it has no bearing on the physical realm. Let me illustrate it this way. I'll give you two scenarios. Um, imagine someone in your community group comes to you personally, and they say, and they, and they say this, hey, last night I had an a, a, a awful dream. I can't even repeat it. And I woke up. I think I was awake. I wasn't asleep. I don't know what it was, but I felt this crushing presence on my chest, and I couldn't speak. Ah, I kept trying to say Jesus, but it was like Jesus. I, I couldn't say it. I think it was demonic. What do you think? Oh, well, scientists have figured out that that's called sleep paralysis, and you were just dehydrated. So drink more water tomorrow night, and you'll be all right, right? Yeah. Is that, is that okay, maybe, okay, maybe, how about this one? Someone confesses to you, hey, I'm, I've been wrestling with intrusive thoughts that I don't, I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know why I'm having them. I can't repeat them to you. Do you think it might be demonic? Our response? Oh, well, I mean, the devil can't give you thoughts, so it's not, it can't be demonic. Um, so here's a book written by a non-Christian that you should read. Devil can't give you thoughts? What, where do we come up with that one? What do you mean the devil can't give you thoughts? Uh, what, what, are, are, is the demonic playing parcheesi in the spiritual realm? Like, what are they doing? Their assignment is to steal, kill, and destroy image bearers of God, to bring destruction to image bearers and through image bearers. They can't give you thoughts? How do they tempt you? Give me a break. That's not even remotely scripture, as I'm going to prove to you. We, we are, and again, annoying alarm. Some of you are probably annoyed already, triggered already, and I'm sorry I'm not sorry. We need to wake up. We need to wake up, okay? I need, I need to wake up. I need to wake up. We as a church need to wake up and actually believe what the Bible says. And the Bible gives us an overtly spiritual worldview. To, to, to be a Christian that is not just a skeptic, but anti-supernatural, anti-spiritual, so that if I were to share to you testimonies of, of how God is, uh, we've seen God heal, we've seen God deliver, we've seen God speak and move, that it's not just skepticism, it's hostility directed towards me. How do you read the Bible and get to an anti-supernatural worldview as a Christian? That's like winning the mega millions and you have the winning receipt in your hands of $330 million and then you think you're flat broke. No, no, you have the evidence. This is the reality of your life. Is this, is you, you just won the mega millions. Oh, but I'm flat broke. I, I don't, I, I don't. No, no. Do, have you read the Bible? 
Acts, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Let me, let me pull in somebody else. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the prince of preacher in the reform camp. Highly respected intellectual, not someone who's disrespected in the intellectual elite community of Christianity. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, because he was a charismatic, he said, the book of Acts should be normative for the church today. And I believe that to be true. And we're seeing it in our churches. We're going to share testimonies next week. Okay? The Bible gives us an overtly spiritual worldview. And then secondly, the second thing we see is there are only two kingdoms in the unseen realm. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. It is much a part of the purpose of the Bible to teach us the reality and the personality of the devil as it is to teach us the personality and the being of God. Why is the world as it is? Why confusion? Why pain? Why lust? Why avarice, jealousy, envy? Why disease? The answer is back in the third chapter of Genesis, and it is about the devil. This is someone in the reform camp saying that. Again, Martin Lloyd-Jones, well-respected. What Scripture clearly teaches is that in the unseen realm... There is a kingdom of darkness made up of fallen angels led by Satan, hell-bent on destroying everything God loves. And in addition to that, more importantly, there is the kingdom of God made up of the heavenly host and the redeemed saints led by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, whose will and purpose and plan is to bring heaven across the face of the earth. And the reason I'm honing in on this is, is some of you have, might have been with me so far that, yes, there is a spiritual realm uh, sorry, no, no, no. The, what, the reason I want to share that is this, is yes, there's a spiritual realm, but there's no neutral ground in that spiritual realm. There's no neutral ground. And, the, and why I want to say that is this, is that in our culture and also infiltrating our church is a lot of new age practice and teaching. That there's this impersonal energy in the universe that we can interact with, right? Like, ooh, positive vibes. Let me send, ooh, positive vibes your way. You know, like if you do this with your fingers, like the energy, the impersonal energy uh, in, the, in the unseen realm, there isn't an impersonal energy. There's persons, the person of God, the person of the devil. If you have a spiritual encounter that is not God, it is demonic. And the reason I want to hone in on this is our church, uh, the, the culture isn't just going uh, atheistic. It's actually going new age and spiritual. Um, celebrities, uh, athletes, taking DMT, going to uh, these different countries to have these transcendent encounters to open up their third eye. And, and the devil's giving them real encounters. It's, 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 it's really like, hey, I can't deny it. This is what I saw. This is the vision I had, so on and so forth. And we can't be naive enough um, to, to not see that happening in our culture. And I have a story I'm going to share. I'm not going to share it yet. I've got to build a foundation. I'm going to share it next week about that. Okay. Um, but this is what I want to say. To be simply, oh, I'm not Christian. I'm spiritual. And I'm burning sage. And I am reading these books about how to blah, 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 with the energy and like, like to be, to be spirit, seeking spiritual transcendence that isn't of Christ is opening yourself up to demonic oppression. And we need to be aware of that in church because it's infiltrating church and it's infiltrating Christian literature as well. Thirdly, I gotta keep going on. Uh, these two unseen realms are actively at war against each other and can directly influence and affect what happens in the seen uh, realm. This is a, the third point is that um, maybe you were with me so far, you believe the first two points. There's an unseen realm, there's two kingdoms in the unseen realm. Uh, th there's no neutral territory, there's only two kingdoms. But maybe you're not with me on this one. That those kingdoms can directly influence and affect what happens in the seen realm. That they just do their thing, we do our thing, and we should never expect... Uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit or other spirits to, you know, whatever. That, that, that is just, uh, you know, 
completely separate from our world. And, and, and this is anti-scripture and categorically false. And so I want to recommend a book to you. This is called Understanding Spiritual Warfare by Dr. Sam Storms. This is a great resource to have. It's massive. Um, you're probably not going to be able to read it, but you should read parts of it, and you should have it in your library. Um, if, if this is opening up a litany of questions for you, this is the resource I want to point you to. Um, Jake gave away a book uh, a couple weeks ago on parenting. I'm not giving this book away. This is mine. Uh, but you can go on Amazon and buy it yourself, okay? So uh, it's up here if you want to see it uh, and look at it. It's really, really good, really, really helpful. Dr. Sam Storms gives a really good biblically balanced, biblical overview of spiritual warfare, demonization, all of that stuff. I highly recommend you getting that. This is what he says about Satan's activities according to scripture. And if you're here today and you believe that the devil has no influence in our world um, or, 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 or you wrestle with that idea, this is what the Bible teaches about what the devil and his demons are capable of doing. Here's a list that I got from Dr. Sam Storms. <clears throat> the devil works in active opposition to the gospel. He is often but not always the source of sickness. He can inflict death as well as provoke the paralyzing fear of it. He plants sinful plans and purposes in the minds of men. He and or his demons will indwell a person. He sets a snare or trap for people, perhaps with a view to exploiting and intensifying sinful inclinations. He tests or tries Christians. He incites persecution, imprisonment, and the political oppression of believers. He is the accuser of the Christian. He performs signs and wonders to deceive the nations. He seeks to silence the witness of the church. He seeks to incite disunity and division. He promotes false doctrine. He manipulates the weather. He influences the thoughts and actions of unbelievers. He attacks married couples in regards to their sexual relationship. He exploits our sinful decisions, most likely by intensifying the course of action we have already chosen, and he confronts us with various temptations. This is what it means to have a biblical worldview. This is what it means to be biblically serious, is to have a healthy understanding that we have an enemy and that he is real and he is really a threat and he's really at work in the seen world. First Peter 5.8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Don't be scared. Don't be terrified. Be sober-minded. Have your head up. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Somewhere in our discipleship process, or uh, maybe it's just me, I'm maybe, maybe making assumptions maybe about your church experience, that we have believed the lie that because I am a Christian, therefore I am untouchable to the demonic and demonic influence in my life. And 1 Peter 5 8, and then you'll hear a pastor say, um, yeah, he's prowling around like a roaring lion, but he's defawed and declawed, de not defawed, I don't know what that means, uh, hopefully he is as well, but declawed and defanged declawed and defanged. And so basically what the pastor is doing there is saying, um, hey, um, we don't want to be in the charismaniac camp. We don't want to be give too much attention. There actually isn't any threat. Just, just ignore it. So then therefore, if like, think about this. If you're in the woods and you come face to face with a lion who's prowling around the grass for you, um, like that's a terrifying image, right? And the Holy Spirit gave that to Peter. Hey, church, heads up. There's someone who's close who's waiting for an opportune time to tempt you and bring destruction in your life. The devil can't do anything against your will. He, he'll just come knocking on your door. And he's, it's demonic peer pressure is how it works. Hey, I think you should do this. I think you should think this. This would be fun. It's just peer pressure. And then, and then you, you and I have the choice. Say, hey, yeah, I'm going to harbor bitterness against this person. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm going to click here. I'm going to look at this. Uh, yeah, I'm going to open the door to the devil. And what scripture says is, keep your head on a swivel. He's very crafty. Um, he, yes, he's disarmed by Christ but he does have power through deceiving you to believe lies and to enter into you 
actively sinning against God. And if there is no threat of the demonic because I'm a Christian and I don't have to obey what Scripture clearly teaches, um, and the enemy is, if, if the devil is, follow me on this one, if the devil is unseen and completely impotent to affect our lives, why does the Bible even mention him at all? It's just a, it's just a meaningless distraction. Like, what's the point? It's like, hey, there's this stuff you can't see that's out there in the shadows. It can't affect you at all. Good luck. Like, why, why even mention it, right? And so, and so we either are calling the apostles filled with the Holy Spirit and God himself through his word a liar by saying that there's no threat to me. Um, or we yield under the authority of the scripture and say, hey, maybe I need to wake up. Maybe I need to be sober-minded. Maybe, maybe there's some areas in my life where God, this way, I would encourage you as we're going, going through this series, hey, God, would you show me any way where I'm not buckled up, I'm not armored up in my life. This is what Sinclair Ferguson says. Again, Sinclair Ferguson, he's a great theologian, well-respected. He's not, he's not in a camp that would always talk about the demons and all that stuff. He goes, we are not engaged in conflict management here. This is a personal contest to the death against the one who has brought down a third of the stars of heaven with a sweep of his tail and has wounded such children of God as Adam, Noah, Moses, David, Peter, and a vast multitude of others. How foolish I would be to think that I alone am exempt from his attacks or immune to his powers. His plan is to sift us like wheat and to devour us. And the bottom line is this. If the threat is real, the most loving thing that Jesus Christ can do for us is to say, hey, you're still in a battle. I haven't taken you out of the battle yet, but you can be strong in my strength and you can be uh, protected in, in, my, in my armor. Would you, would, you, would you understand how this works? Would you press into this? Would you understand how this works? And I forgot to share this earlier, but I'm sure it really quick. There's a spectrum we can fall into when I talked about the thing about thoughts, but demons giving you thoughts. Not all your thoughts are demonic. Like, of course not, right? Um, but the spectrum is either everything is a demon or nothing is a demon. This is what we fall into. Everything's a demon. Oh my gosh, my toaster's not working this morning. It's not, it's not toasting my, my, you know, my, my sourdough bread. And, and you're just like, dude, you forgot to unplug it, man. Like you don't need to anoint it with oil. You don't need to speak in tongues over it. You don't need to cast a demon out of it. Like just chill, man, right? I don't think we struggle with that in, in our tribe that we run in. Like we want to be biblically serious, spirit-empowered and zealous. I don't think we struggle. I think what we tend towards, what I tend towards is nothing is a demon. Nothing ever is demonic. And, and where we need to land as a church is that some things very well might be. Some things very well might be. So let's humble ourselves and in our intellectual superiority. I'm a Bible guy, so I don't really believe in all that stuff. You're a Bible guy and you don't believe in that stuff? Jesus goes to Peter, hey, Satan asked if he could sift you like wheat. Oh, man. I guess that was a real threat to Peter. And if I'm Peter in that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. What'd you say, Jesus? <laughs> you know what Jesus says? I'll, I'm going to pray for you. I'm praying for you. You'll be all right. I'm interceding on your behalf. But you're about to go through the ringer, and it's Satan. It's Satan. And so the demonic has a real threat to us. And so some things, not everything, not nothing, but we as Christians who believe the Bible and are serious about the authority of scriptures have to have this in our framework. And we have eight, we have, we've had eight, this afternoon will be 80 appointments with inner healing and deliverance with the prayer team. And let me tell you, there's a whole lot of demonic activity that people would just dismiss. Um, that's for next week. Moving on, first point. I'm moving on, guys. We're, oh, we're good, we got time. I'm right on time. 
I'm an hour in. I got three hours. All right. <laughs> Four, the fourth point, all of us are born into the middle of this war. There's an unseen realm. There's two kingdoms in that realm. This kingdom is at war with each other. We're born into the middle of it. Meaning this, no one here today, Christian or not, gets the luxury of believing that we don't have to uh, live in this, in this battle, that we're not in a battle. No Christian gets the luxury of believing that the church doesn't have to talk or think about the devil because we're actually in the middle of this struggle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And so therefore, we neglect the enemy and his schemes to our own detriment. Often the response is this, hey, Nick, hey, pastor, just preach the Bible and talk about Jesus and loving your neighbor and ignore the devil. You know, I don't know why everyone has a country accent. I'm sorry if you're from Texas. Um, what's all this talk about Satan and his demons and you giving him, you're glorifying the demonic and all that, you know, all that stuff. I'm like, I'm here because we're preaching the Bible to you. Theoretical country guy who's angry at me. We're in Ephesians 6. I'm giving you the full counsel of God. Last week we talked about, well, I don't know what we talked about last week. I wasn't here last week. I do know. I told, I asked Rick to preach on shame last week and he did and it got great feedback. I hope it was helpful to you. But Jesus, if Jesus is a model, like Jesus didn't ignore the demonic. Jesus, how, okay, did the charismaniacs make up the spiritual world warfare? Did the charismaniacs talk about the devil and demons? No, we get this from the gospels. We get this from the word of God. Jesus revealed this to us. Jesus taught on Satan and Jesus didn't ignore him. But whenever he encountered a demon, he never met a demon he liked. He drove that thing out and they would cry out. Just go read Mark chapter one if you don't believe me. The earliest gospel we have, Mark chapter 1, is full of Jesus' deliverance ministry. And the demon cries out, you're the son of God. Have you come here to destroy us? And the answer, according to 1 John 3, 8, is yes. The reason Jesus Christ appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's in your Bibles. It wasn't the only thing he came to do. He came to bring restoration. But in order to bring restoration, he has to bring destruction to the kingdom of darkness that has brought destruction across the face of the earth. And talk more about that next week. And to say that, that we can just ignore the devil, we're never going to talk about him, we're never going to teach about this topic, maybe this is the first time you've ever heard a sermon on spiritual warfare before, um, is like this. When we moved into our house a couple years ago, it was a bit of a fixer-upper, and there was, a, I mean, there was a massive rat in my house. Um, and this, this guy, he, he would get into our uh, pantry. And there was a couple weeks in a row where we would do like a Costco run, and we got like a 50-gallon drum of like brown, you know, you do like, you kind of feel like you're a doomsday prepper when you shop at Costco, you know, everything's massive, and you're like, man, do I have a problem? Like, do I think the world's ending? You know, whatever. And so there's like beans and, and rice, and I had this huge like Costco-sized 50-gallon drum of like whey protein, you know, because I was going to get swole, you know, whatever. And I go, the next morning, you go into your kitchen, and there's just stuff everywhere. He's eating, he just got into the veggie straws. He ripped in. He's like, ah, I don't really like that. Let me try the brown rice. Ah, I don't really like that. He gnawed through. This fat rat gnawed through my whey protein. Talk about a big rat. He's getting his swole on. There's a guy like creatine on, you know. That wasn't creatine. But like he ate the hard plastic, not a bag, hard plastic. And the refrain to me would be, hey, Nick, to be a Christian is just to clean up the mess. Ignore the rat. Yeah, right. Thank you. One person. Thank you. <laughs> Ignore. And so what we've seen in our ministry is it's all, it's all hunky-dory when until somebody flares up on you. 
it's all hunky-dory until someone, man, you, we can talk about, oh, well, I, you know, I don't really believe it. Okay, well, what do you do when someone's screaming in pain? Because something from the inside is now manifesting. And it's causing this person agony. Oh, well, let's just do some inner healing. Let's, like, uh, inner healing is amazing. Jesus is doing some amazing healing of broken hearts. Luke 4, I, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bind up the brokenhearted. But if I truly love this person, I'm going to say, you know what? Come what may about my reputation up here on stage. But there's, demons exist. They're causing destruction in people's lives, chaos in people's lives. And, and, and the only people on the planet earth that have been handed the power and the authority to set people free from demonic destruction and oppression in their lives is the church, and we want to not talk about it. And so I don't want us to just be awakened. I don't want us to just be armored up. I want us to be a dangerous church that is, that is attacking the gates of hell and prevailing against it. And so just as much as, yes, the church is restoring what is broken, but, if I, but here's the bottom line, it's to get rid of that rat. I had to find out where he was coming from. I got sick, and then there was a guy at the transit who did a lot, but Jonathan DeFrew got under my deck with foam spray and steel wool and clogged the hole he was coming in, and then I, I caught this rat, and then, and then now I could rebuild and get rid of the guy who's creating the mess. It's both. It's heart and fist, if you will, for lack of a better. It's inner healing and deliverance. If there's something present, we're the only people. That, that's, why, that's why we can stay in theoretical land and debate theology. But what happens when somebody flares up on you? What are you going to do? And we want, we want to be a church where, where you know what to do and we're ready to, to use the power and the authority that Jesus has given to set people free. We don't have that luxury. I don't have that luxury. My life was changed. I'm going to talk about this next week. I, I, I have gotten delivered. Um, and we don't have this luxury anymore to, to believe that uh, we're just on a comfort cruise here and, and a seeker-sensitive church. We never want to, to, to do I don't, I don't want to just have people come here and stay bound. I want them to be set free and equipped to wage war because we're in the middle of a war. And there's nothing more exciting than seeing Jesus magnified when, when, uh, when people are getting set free. Okay, I'm talking about that now. I'm trying to build a foundation. I want to talk about deliverance. But anyways, all right, here we go. Last point, and I'm concluding with this, but not anytime soon. Five, to be a follower of Jesus is to be actively at war against the kingdom of darkness, which is actively at war against you. In our text today, Ephesians 6, through, uh, 10 through 12, um, Paul uses military language, and he explicitly states that we are in a battle. Our battle, our wrestling match, is not against flesh and blood. And just like any, more, any war, the enemy is real and needs to be fought against. So three things we learn, or three things I want to highlight about our enemy. One, we see in our text that Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, our enemy has a strategy. He has schemes. He has plans. Verse 12 in our text, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That word schemes can also be interpreted strategy or plan. A strategy is a plan of action or policy designed to achieve a major or overall aim. The devil is not a silly dunce in red tights. He's actually really smart, and he's been around for a long time. And he's got plans, and he's got a strategy. I heard uh, Dr. Tony Evans give a sermon once, and he said this, the devil's got game film on you, game film on you. Talking about NFL, you know, like you'll watch the, 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 the opposing opponent. Uh, and the uh, devil has plans, but, but what if the devil like, also has plans for us? What if the devil has a plan for your life, right? The devil had a plan for Peter. Hey, I want to sift him like wheat, right? The devil isn't a silly dunce in, in red tights. He's real, and he has real schemes and real strategies. And with what we're looking at, what's happening across the globe, like, seems like, yeah, he's, he's actively at work. To, deny, to look at 20th century history and look at where our world is going and to deny the existence of a spiritual evil, I think, is, um, 
you do that in the face of empirical evidence. Secondly, he doesn't just have plans, but he also has a highly organized army. In our text, we get these, these big fancy words uh, in verse 12. Verses will be on the screen. He said, but our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil. I think we can get in some danger if we're trying to figure out exactly like the, the hierarchy of, of the demonic. But what we do learn here is that there is a hierarchy of the demonic. In order to be a ruler means that like if someone is a ruler, the dictionary definition, somebody's underneath them. To be an authority means that you have a subordinate. Okay, If you're an authority, it means that you have a subordinate. That's a very def- dictionary definition of an authority. And so I don't want to go into too much detail there, but just to say that there's different ranks, there's hierarchies, there's different power and strengths. After the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus comes back down and the disciples are trying to drive a demon out of someone and they can't. And Jesus says, this kind of demon only comes out with prayer and fasting. And what Jesus, so what we learn there, logical deduction, is that there are different kinds of demons. Some that leave easy and some that don't, that have a little bit more strength, according to your Savior, who is an exorcist and driving out demons. So he doesn't just have plans, he has a highly organized army. And so what I want to say is this, imagine for me that there is a uh, war room in hell, a war room, a strategy room in hell. There's a massive table. It's like this, right? And a massive table, and here's the earth. And then you have Satan with his other fallen angels, his generals, around that map. And there's generals assigned to different nations, with infantry troops in those regions of, of, of nations. And on that map are, are pins of every gospel-centered, evangelical church of Jesus Christ. There's pins on that map. And I don't know about you, but you hear me this. Maybe I'm the only person. I'm not the only person here, but I, I want to make sure our church is on that map. Sons of Sceva, Acts 19, the origin story, this happened in Ephesus, has actually led to uh, even, even failed deliverance led to God being glorified in this. There are seven sons of Sceva, Jewish exorcists, who are trying, trying, trying to drive out of a demon out of somebody in Ephesus. And they were saying, in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches, leave. And it says in the text, if you go read Acts 19, if your Bible's still open to it, the demon looks at these guys and says, Paul I know, Jesus I know, who are you? And then the demon beats all of them up and they all leave uh, without their tunics um, is how that ends. And uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The devil has a plan, he has a strategy, and he has pins on the map. And not in a triumphalistic way do I want to be on that map, but I want to make sure that 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 devil knows, hey, what's up? That we, we aren't going to sit on our hands and live a comfy life and just coast to glory, but we want to be about our king's business and pulling heaven down to the earth and lives being saved from hell and brokenness being restored by our savior for his glory, him being glorified and how we love one another and how we're unified on mission with our savior, okay? And thirdly, what we see is our enemy has strength. Our enemy has strength, he has power. The language Paul uses is of a wrestling match, a struggle, a battle. He says, are we do not wrestle. He doesn't talk about just like a, a chess match of, of schemes. He's talking about uh, a, a wrestling. This is um, what scholar Harold um, Hoffner says about this text. What kind of battle? It's hand-to-hand combat. The fully armored soldier was an accomplished wrestler who on occasion would be involved in close quarter struggle against a cunning opponent. 
Due to the cunning schemes of the devil, believers need to be ready for both remote and close at hand assaults. And so if I were to illustrate this, I would bring my brother on stage and we would wrestle, but I don't want to do that because I don't want to embarrass him. Um, uh, if you know my brother, you're like, Nick, he would toss you off the stage in two seconds. Um, but if you needed a reminder of what wrestling is, a visible example of it is it is, boom, locking arms. It's a, it's a struggle, right? The other person is trying to use their strength to pin this person to the mat. It's exhausting. It's tiring. It's, it's in your face. It's not something that we can just dismiss. This is what we wrestle against. And so this is what I want to say. And then I'm going to conclude. Actually, Ben, I'm going to conclude. You can come on up, Ben. This is what I want to say. Is our expectation as followers of Jesus cannot be comfort. We are in the middle of a battle. We are in the middle of a war. And Jesus Christ has commissioned us. He's filled us with the spirit. He's given this precious, powerful gospel. And he said, man, go to the ends of the earth and make disciples and preach the good news of the restoration of all things, that everything the devil came to destroy, I'm rebuilding. The kingdom has broken in, and now you, the church, have been commissioned to be the incarnation of Jesus continued across the face of the earth. So to conclude, again, there's a lot of application I didn't talk about. We're going to talk about that in subsequent weeks. Please come back next week. But um, how should we respond to all of this? Spent, I've, I've never spent this much time talking about the demonic, but I felt like it was important for all of us to get on the same page here. How do we respond today to this message? Do we bite our fingernails in, in fear of the devil and, and over-obsession, looking at his power, uh, his plans? Not at all. The smile on our face, we look to our victorious, reigning king. We look to his position. We look to his power. We look to his plan. We look to where he is seated and what he is up to, that he is currently reigning in victory, that although the battle still rages against us and we are uh, commanded to be equipped to continue the advancement of that battle against the gates of hell, the war has been won. The war has been won. And so I felt it, uh, it necessary to conclude with Ephesians chapter 1. We talked about this at the beginning of the year, but Ephesians 1, 15 through 23 says this about our king. This is all eyes on Jesus. For this reason, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, this, give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and watch this, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. You can measure the devil's strength. You can't measure Christ's strength. It's immeasurable. The devil is not God's equal force of, a, of, of here's the evil force, here's uh, the good. No, no, no. The devil is a created being. Uh, our, our, our God is eternal. He's forever reigning in glory. And it continues. The immeasurable greatness of his power, that power has a direction. That omnipotence has a direction. That power is towards us who believe. 
that we don't have to be strong in our own strength today. We can be strong in God's strength according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. In the spiritual realm, in the unseen realm, there's one king. There's one Lord reigning, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we're reigning with him. Ephesians 2, 6 says, uh, we are seated with him in the heavenly place. There's one ruler. There's one victorious king. His name is Jesus. And where is he seated? Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Not just a little bit over principalities and evil spiritual forces of darkness. Jesus is seated far above them in his reign and his dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And Jesus, where are in, in, in position, in relationship to you, King Jesus, where do these evil spiritual forces of darkness stand before your presence, before your name, Jesus? And he put them under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The devil is not on equal standing and position with God. The devil is God's ottoman. He's under his feet. If if you're seated and something's under your feet, you're currently reigning over that thing. And your feet are just propped up over the work of the devil. And that's the posture we need to have in the battle. The devil, yeah, the devil has power to take us out, but if we're we're not sober-minded, if we're not awake, if we're not armored up, but if we're, if we're armored up, if we're awake, if we understand the gospel, the glorious truth that we have that no demonic weapon that is formed against us can ultimately prosper because Jesus has already won our war. That's what we, that's the position we fight from in the battle, in the face of opposition. Uh, we look to our King Jesus. So let's do that now by taking communion. Communion, let's celebrate our victorious king who died on the cross for our sins. He bought us with his precious blood. He transferred us out of the clutches of the devil and he's adopted us into the kingdom of God forever. And we are reigning with him and it's all his work. He's already done all of it and we just come to the table today to celebrate that. So I don't know where you're at in your life right now. I don't know what the devil is throwing your way. Depression, disease, despair, I don't know. I don't know. Collectively, there's a lot of suffering in this room. There's a lot of hardship. But what we focus on, what we fix our eyes on today through that is that our king has won our war. And that this temporary light affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. This is who our king is. This is who our general is. Okay, so let's fix our eyes on him and let me close with prayer. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God. Lord, that you are so kind that you speak truth to us, God. You speak truth in love. You're so kind, Jesus. You love your bride so much that you don't want your bride to get taken out by your enemy. And so, Lord, when we say yes to your invitation through your word, God, show me, show us, Lord Jesus where we're not armored up, where we're sleeping, where we need to be awakened. 
have your way. Jesus, would you bring healing to the brokenhearted? Would you bring salvation to the lost? Would you bring deliverance to those that are oppressed and harassed by the demonic through this sermon series? Because it's, it's, it's your kingdom coming. You're glorified in those things, God, as healer, as deliverer. So Holy Spirit, we open up our, our hearts and our minds to you. Communion with communion, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, God, that you came running for us. And that in this life, this is the closest the devil will ever get to us. In this life, this is the closest the demonic will ever get to us because of the war that you won on our behalf. So come, Holy Spirit. We just pray, Lord, as we fellowship with you with communion and worship, that you would minister to our hearts. And pray this in your name, Jesus.